Times. Uh, great to have all of you with us today. And uh, really exciting guest, as many of you already know, because you've looked. Uh, so my guest today is Nathan Jones. Please welcome Nathan. And uh, we're going to be talking about the nine prophetic wars that are, uh, they're coming. The nine prophetic wars of the end times. And uh, Nathan, it's great to have you back. Hey, brother. Great to be back. Hey, you, you stole my first question. How many wars of the end times oh, are prophesied? It's in the title. <laughs> it's already, it was already out there, so sorry about oh, that. Oh, all right. Well, now you know. Nine. Program's over. See y'all. So, <laughs> no, it's not quite. There's some great things that we're going to be covering in here. Uh, real quick, Nathan, I need to do a little update for everybody. Uh, my Marking the Masses book, I've been talking about this the last couple of days. It's uh, just about ready to be uh sent out to everybody who did a pre-order on it. You can still do a pre-order if you would like at markingthemasses.com. Uh, the info is on the website, hopeforourtimes.com. You can go there, click on it, and it'll take care of that for you. I'll be in Wisconsin coming up next week, I think it is. It is next week. Wow, I'm going to be in Wisconsin next Friday and Saturday with Don Perkins. And also, you guys, uh, if you're already on the app, well, if you are today, some of you are only on the website, uh, but if you want to download the app, if you haven't done it yet, please do. It's free to download. And um, I also want to thank all of you guys for uh, your uh, financial support because it's really been a blessing as we continue to move forward and bring hope to the world because right now, uh, people need hope in Jesus Christ and uh, we're able to do this and connect the dots with some wonderful guests. And uh, so uh, let's keep going. And uh, Nathan, let's roll. What do you say? I say let's do it. And by the way, compliments on your uh, set. That looks really nice, brother. We are getting there. I mean, you, you know what mm -hmm. it's like. You've been in the ministry for a long time. And by the way, you're Dr. Nathan Jones now. So uh, yes. that's cool. That is, that is pray, praise the Lord, man. That's, an, that's quite an achievement. Uh, because uh, you you've studied hard, you work hard, uh, you bring so much to the table for people to have an understanding of Jesus and the last days and his first coming and second coming. And uh, so you get it. It's a lot of work getting to just uh, do something like this here too. Uh, but well, uh, That's our passion here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we do day in, day out. We are getting people excited as we are excited the Lord's coming back. And if you're excited knowing that the Lord's coming back, then you'll give your life to ministry and you'll give your life to holy living. And we think those are extremely important for Christians today. Amen. Couldn't be said better. And, uh, and you know, what do we do? We should do it the best that we possibly can as we Absolutely. press forward in ministry. All right, so you ready to talk about these wars? How many wars are there that are coming? Prophetic wars. Uh, I think there was nine, right? Wow, nine. Oh, that's nine. great. Well, some yeah. wars people have never heard of. There's the big one. It's like the elephant in the room. Pretty much everybody, they've been to uh, any kind of prophecy, mess, study, conference, or somebody has talked about this one. It's the Gog-Magog War of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. Okay. Yeah, and most okay. people have only ever heard of Armageddon. So, oh, the you're, fact that you're right. Dude. There's I, really only right. two wars. I find that unless you're in Bible prophecy circles, you've heard of the Gog Magog War, but the, the rest of the world of Christendom, as we can call it, has only ever heard of Armageddon. And 
that's not really much of a battle at all once we get to and explain it. So when you say there's nine wars of the end times, people come pretty shocked. So uh, for uh, folks who tuned in, Tom and I are going to be using two books. Uh, one is uh, my book on the book of Revelation called The Mighty Angels of Revelation. And it doesn't have all the wars of the end times in it, but it's got many of them. And uh, our founder and director, Dr. David Reagan, who many of you know, uh, just released this book called Nine Wars of the End Times, which like Tom did, it gives it away how many there are. And uh, so we here at Lamb and Lion have been teaching the subject for many years, and Dr. Reagan noticed that it was a very popular topic. So now he's formalized it. We just don't have articles on our website at ChristandProphecy.org, but now we have a full book on it as well. So uh, what we can talk about, Tom, in the half hour that we have, we'll probably just you know barely skim the surface. But folks, if you want to take a deep dive, then Dr. Reagan's book, Nine Wars of the End Times, is, is a great book to help you in, grow in that type of information. Fantastic. You ready to roll? Let's rock. Okay. Let's rock. Uh, so I'm going to see if I yeah. can share my screen. I know this is a new format for you guys. Uh, it's disabled, so I unless it's enabled, I won't be able to. But uh, it's easier to show you some slides and, and teach from okay. it than me just to talk for those who are visual learners. So let's see. Uh, no, it's still disabled. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to talk then. Can you enable? Uh, not on my end. Oh, you can't. Hey, Matthew. We're working on it, sir. Okay. So just let us know as soon as we're good. All right. You talk, they'll give us a thumbs up. Okay. okay. So the first war that we're going to talk about is actually the second war in the list, and it's called the War of Gog and Magog. You can find it in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, and it's incredible that there's two entire chapters in the Bible dedicated to explaining this war and, and explaining it in great detail. It follows, obviously, chapters 36 and 37, which prophesy Israel coming back into the land again. And it's like dead bones in a valley. They're given life again. They rise up and they're alive. And even though physically alive, spiritually they're not. Something major has to happen, a great catastrophe. And that is in the prophecy in 38 and 39, which is where the Lord prophesies a coalition of nations led by a leader named Gog will bring this massive army down to plunder Israel and to annihilate it. And God will step in and supernaturally defend the Jewish people. He will destroy the armies with, with basically biblical judgment. We're talking about hail and fire and earthquakes and the armies turn on each other. And then he sends fire back on their coastlands and destroys so that only a ninth of the army remains and it runs back to the deep north. And the end result is that the world knows there's a God because this supernatural protection of Israel is it has to be acknowledged worldwide. And this is when the Jewish people begin to get the heart back for the Lord. You know, right now about 75% of the Jewish people are, are secular humanists. But after this, it says Israel will know there is a God not yet his son, Jesus Christ. So this is a, a major, major battle, and this is going to change the world. And I believe it's going to happen after the rapture because the Lord isn't working anymore through the church. He's directly interacting, just like he does in the tribulation. And there's others, some timing clues, which Tom and I can get in. But So the first war we'll discuss is the war of Gog and Magog, and you can again find it in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Okay, hey, we're good to uh, share also. Do shared screen oh. if you want to go that path. But let me ask you this as you're setting that up. So you look at uh, chapter 39. It appears that the whole world recognizes the Lord has saved Israel. Uh, Israel is rejoicing. They're turning to the Lord. 
because of that, and, and we can answer this a little bit more later, but because of that, people are saying, well, wait a minute, this is at the end of the tribulation period um, because of this awakening. Now, I view it the same way you do. I view it as Israel is wakened up. You have 144,000 Jewish men that are saved at the beginning of the tribulation period. Um, uh, and I, I liken that to happening at the time of the victory that God gives Israel in the Gog-Magog war. Um, it's this great awakening to Israel as their blindness is, is uh, being taken off. But I also place it after the rapture. Absolutely, totally agree. Uh, because it's, again, such a battle that that's supernatural in nature, it's not church age related, uh, it's got to be. Uh, one of the best books I ever read, you probably read this too, Tom, was uh, Ron Rhodes' Northern Storm Rising. He goes in detail through each of the different timing views. You know, some people place it before the rapture, some people place it after the rapture and before the tribulation. Others will put it in the middle of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation, in the millennial kingdom, there's all these different views but the evidence most weighs in the fact that the Jewish people will go out and they'll take the destruction, the all the implements of war that are left all over the land, and they'll burn them for seven years. Now, it doesn't make sense that once Jesus returned at the second coming and sets up his kingdom, that Israel would need to use the destroyed weaponry to continue to, to survive and, and burn and all. So uh, to me, that the seven-year mark right there indicates a seven-year time period, which coincides with Daniel's 70th week prophecy. Can you guys see my screen now that I uh, got it up? Not yet, we can't. We can still see That's weird. Face, it says I'm sharing that screen, but I see myself. Okay, well, okay. I'm not going to turn this into my tech project okay. here, so I'm going to stop sharing, All right. and we'll just talk here. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's fascinating about this prophecy. It says, uh, let's see, if we go to the passage here in uh, 38, 1 through 6, it says, Now the, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shields and helmets. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarma from the far north, and all its troops, and many people are with you. Now, you know, Tom, we could spend quite a long time explaining who these different armies and different groups are, but uh, what we know is then uh, that Israel is involved, Rosh, Magog, Magog Meshach, Tubal, Persia, Cush, Gomer, and Betagarma, and they're led by a leader named Gog, who's the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. The battlefield is on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, which indicates then that the land will have people living again. And the purpose of Gog attacking Israel is for plunder and to take booty. And I love 3823. It says, Thus I, God, will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, then they shall know that I am the Lord. That's the purpose. That's why God does this amazing thing, so that the world going into the tribulation will know that there is a God, and he defends Israel. Very well that the, the Lord's victory through Israel is what instigates the Antichrist coming and making a peace treaty with Israel. Maybe not so that Israel gets the right to build a temple or has peace with their Arab neighbors, because if they're, all their Arab neighbors are destroyed, then why would the Antichrist need to do that? It could be, well, 
that since the world knows that the Lord is defending Israel, that the Antichrist makes a peace covenant to protect himself from the God of Israel, which gives him then those seven-year time to go and conquer the earth. That's a theory. I'm not sure for sure. But basically, I wish I could show you the map that I have. But uh, if you go to our website at ChristInProphecy.org, and just in the search, Timing Gog and Magog, you can look up what Rosh is. Rosh is Russia, modern-day Russia. Magog is all those stand nations like Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan. Persia is Iran. Tubal, Gomer, and Betagarma now make up Turkey. Uh, Kush is Sudan and Ethiopia. And Put is Libya with possibly Algeria and Tunisia. Now, Tom, you've been teaching this for quite a long time, is that look what's going on in the world today. Look at the politics these nations have been meeting quite frequently to form an alliance. Isn't that interesting? Uh, it is very interesting um, looking at how all of that is developing. And when you think of these nations, even in verse 7, I've, I, in fact, I think I brought this up yesterday just with verse 7 alone. Uh, God says that Gog, the leader of this whole evasion, uh, will be a guard for the troops that are gonna come against Israel. And you look at Syria right now, and you look at what Russia is doing, that's exactly what Russia is doing. They're being a guard for everybody uh, that is north of the northern border of Israel. And there's so many different aspects. We see Turkey come and go. Uh, they're, they're not totally aligned with either Iran or Russia yet. But Nathan, we see that day coming. I mean, uh, every day these nations are in the news. Russia's in the news constantly because of Ukraine. I, just real, I know we have eight more, eight more wars we have to get through in like 12 <laughs> minutes, but, but um, w when you look at Russia and the whole Ukraine issue right now, where God says, I'm gonna turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, I mean, it's, it, it gives the impression Russia is going a different direction and their armies are brought the opposite direction. And you yes. look, at, and there's just so many different factors that, uh, you know, you look at this and go, okay, the table's being set. I don't, however, believe the Ezekiel 38, 39 war is going to happen tomorrow. I think yeah. there's some other things that are going to happen first. So since we only have not a lot of time left, um, you want to switch to the next one? Real quickly, what's interesting is there's a hook that brings Russia down against Israel. Now, we didn't know what this this hook was until recently, and that you know that there's the war between Russia and uh, Ukraine, and the oil and energy competition between Russia, who supplies almost all the natural gas to Europe. Well, they've pretty much shut that down. That's 40% of the Russian economy. They've been able to pick up by selling it to China and India, but now who is all of a sudden competing against Russia by sending natural gas to Europe? It's Israel. Israel now has value. There is reason to plunder Israel. It wasn't for the Dead Sea, you know, bath salts or coconuts or whatever they're growing on the mountains there. Now there's a direct threat to Russia that Russia has to deal with. Now something, Tom, has to take the ability for Russia and the Islamic nations we just read to feel free to attack Israel. And I think that's another indicator that this is after the rapture because the United States, the UN, whatever, is in such disarray that they're not there to step in and stop Russia and all these Islamic countries attacking Israel. And this is where we get, I think, to the first war of the of the end times, and that's called the Psalm 83 war, or the war uh, against Israel. Or There's a few names for it. Uh, if you've had Bill Salas on your program, and many of you have, he, 
he made that uh, very popular in his book is Ralestein. Uh, but the Psalm 83 war is a is a prophecy because it's written by a prophet, the uh, seer named Asaph. And he wrote about the, the nations directly surrounding Israel, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, uh, Gaza, which came back in 2005. All these nations are being called judgment upon that Israel will subdue and conquer them. And then Israel will control these different lands. Now, some people will point to 1948 or, or 1967 and, and others, but Israel has never subjugated and controlled these different nations. Well, when we read about the Gog and Magog War, why are these nations not listed? These nations hate Israel vehemently. Well, they're not even a power player in the Gog-Magog war. So something had to happen beforehand. And I believe Bill's on to something with the Psalm 83 war. I think in the prophecy circles, we're not saying, yes, Psalm 83 war, a definite thing. But it definitely fills that giant hole that's in the Gog-Magog war. Yeah, I've had Bill on many times. In fact, he's going to be on with me again in the not-too-distant future. We've done a documentary on these things. And I've told him each time, Bill, I don't necessarily agree with you, although... I, I get what you're saying, and it's not that I disagree with him either. I look and I find it fascinating, and one of the most fascinating things I find about Psalm 83 is exactly what you just said, Nathan. You would think with the, ter- the, the people groups that are e- uh, immediately surrounding Israel. Uh, I was just down two weeks ago in, in Gaza at Starot, and we were at ground zero for the rockets that were coming into Israel a couple of weeks back. So, you know, you see that, well, guess what? You don't have... It doesn't appear that you have Hezbollah, you have Hamas, you have, uh, and you have Egypt, you have any of the immediate surrounding people that would come against Israel right now. They're missing. You would think if Russia is coming against them and Turkey, I mean, Turkey has made it very clear uh, over the last several years, hey, they'll support Hamas, you know, if, if they, you know. So you look at that, and, and I think your point is well taken, and so is Bill's, is those immediate surrounding groups that make war against Israel all the time, they're not in it. And you would, you know, Iran would, I mean, Iran would include everybody. We know that because they already do. They fight their proxy wars with Hamas and Hezbollah, the Islamic Jihad, the Houthis. So they definitely would, but they're not. And for me, that's one of the most powerful arguments in favor of Psalm 83, battle still yet future. You're a pretty brave guy going into Gaza during Operation Arrow and Shield. Hey, let okay. me tell you, this is how, I'll make this real quick because I think my viewers are tired of hearing it from me. But I got video, so we went there to film and get falafels. I was there with one of my Israeli friends. And we literally were at ground zero right when it started. I'm ordering oh, a falafel, word. and all of a sudden we heard the boom the Iron Dome, I got video, it was, there's some of the videos, that was in Gaza where the smoke was, where some rocket launchers were taken out of Gaza, um, so it was, it was really uh, something else, anyway, so, so anyways, I don't think my viewers want to hear any more of my, there's, so that was from my phone right up in front of the falafel shop, was, I'm looking up in the sky, and uh, it was really, it was really exciting, it was a very, oh. I will say this, Nathan, it was the most exhilarating day of my whole life. And the rockets were coming. We saw Iron Dome intercept them. And anyways, okay, enough of that. People it was do- the falafel that made it so exciting, you're saying? I, you know what? I never even got a falafel that day. I was really, that was really sad. But uh, uh, all right, enough well, of that. I'm impressed, man. I'm impressed. It, 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 was, it, was, it was exciting. I can't wait till you come with me. All right. <laughs> so 
Let, let's because now we're down to like hardly any time left, and we still okay, have seven we'll go more. Fast. You ready? Well, the third war is the conventional war of the tribulation. This is where the Antichrist in Revelation 6 goes off and conquers the world. Bear in mind geopolitically that the United States is an Bible prophecy. You don't see China to the end times. Russia in the Islamic world is destroyed by the Gog-Magog war. You only have two superpowers now. You have Israel, which is now greater and defended by God directly, and you have Europe. And we read in Daniel 9 that the Antichrist will rise out of Europe. Europe, which is weak right now, it's it's brittle but strong at the same time, just like Nebuchadnezzar's statue's toes, are is going to morph into the revived Roman Empire. The Bible says that the world will eventually be divided into ten kingdoms. And one of these kings, this little horn, will rise up, overthrow three, and become king of this earth. And he'll do it primarily through war. And we read about it in Revelation 6, how he, a quarter of the world population dies as in his attempt to conquer the world. That war will then morph, and morph into the fourth war in Revelation 8 and 9, and that's the nuclear war of the tribulation. Now, there are tens of thousands of nuclear weapons just sitting there that the Lord's been restraining ever since World War II. But the Bible says that the world will experience, and it doesn't say nuclear, obviously, but it describes people hiding in mountains and crying out for the wrath of the Lamb to stop and cursing God. They know it comes from God. So we know that, and when you read the about the boils and the sicknesses and the, the land being burned and the, the materials in the sky you know, blocking out the sun, that the nuclear war that everyone's been terrified, World War III, will eventually happen. So that war is interesting. Now, we're going to move from the earth for the fifth war up into the heavens. And Revelation 12 says that Satan will once more try to overthrow Jesus, just like he did before the creation, and overthrow the God and try to take his kingdom. But this time, the Lord definitely kicks him out. He can't go before the throne of God anymore. Uh, remember that when we talked about angels last night, two-thirds of the angels stayed with God, one-third with Satan. So Satan's forces aren't enough. He's kicked out. He comes down to earth. He possesses the Antichrist, and he knows his time is short. Now, Daniel tells us there's only three and a half years left of the tribulation time period we're, we're talking about. So that's the fifth war, the war in the heavens. So let me ask you this before you get to the sixth war. Um, the, uh, for us, you know, we're, we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, those who believe in Christ. We don't have to trouble ourselves with all these different things that are coming because we have the great hope that is in Christ. We're going to be home uh, with the Lord. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we always need to remember that hope because there's so many different things that can discourage everybody right now. But Nathan, we have that, don't we? Uh, that's why Titus 2.13 calls the rapture the blessed hope. Yeah. It's the hope that the church age has that when this time is over, Jesus Christ will return in the from the clouds. He'll call us up. He'll, he'll rapture, catch up us from this earth and bring us up to heaven before his wrath comes down upon the world in what is the seven-year tribulation. Now, the of the nine wars we're talking about, it could be that the Psalm 83 war happens before the rapture, but I 100% agree with you, Tom. The Gog and Magog war is certainly after the rapture, maybe just before the tribulation, since it gives that seven-year aftermath. But then now that we're in the tribulation, we're definitely there. And this war that we just read about in the heavens takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation. 
And that's also the place where Satan says, the devil, he knows he has little time, and man, he comes to wreak havoc on uh, Israel and the world at that point, really. The, unbelie- and- the uh, uh, just destroying everything. It seems like he already realizes he has little time, which I think he does. And that's why everything is racing so rapidly towards this conclusion, the conclusion that we know Jesus is coming again. So we don't have to be discouraged by all of the different madness that's out there. What um, great hope we have. Okay, I, I got I to keep moving because I'm going to keep sidetracking, Nathan, like I did last time. So war number six. Well, you, you hit you hit on it perfectly. Satan is definitely ramping things up. Evil is, is just open and everywhere right now. Heck, they're making clothing brands for Target. Oh, well, awful. the sixth war is the war against the Jews and the saints, Revelation 12. So Satan possesses the Antichrist, and the Antichrist becomes obsessed with killing every Jew and every person who will become saved. We call them the tribulation saints during the tribulation time period. Satan knows that if the Jews are left alive by the end of the tribulation, when Jesus returns, they will see him. They will cry out, Baruch HaBem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, when the Jews say that, that's when I return. So Satan's plan is kill all the Jews. There won't be a Jew left to say that. Now, obviously, Satan is going to fail in that plan. Uh, Well, his obsession leads us to the seventh war, the Antichrist kingdom. You've got all these nations that have been fighting for millennia, all forced under the Antichrist regime. Now he starts seeing a civil war. We read that the king of the south, likely the king, one of the ten kings, maybe over Africa, rebels against the Antichrist. The Antichrist takes an army and puts it down. But then he hears that the kings of the east, China, Japan, India, Pakistan, whatever, they're all coming for him so he goes north and he camps out in the valley of jezreel which leads to the battle of armageddon now satan is orchestrating all these nations to come together even if it's a civil war because satan's strategy which is tired and worn out is that if i can get enough people together enough angels together whatever we can defeat jesus christ knowing that jesus is coming back he gathers all the armies of the world into armageddon waiting for jesus to return now, what's wonderful about that army, if, if I can say it's wonderful, it's terrible, but it's still wonderful, is, is that, folks, this is where we pick up in the storyline. We follow Jesus Christ in all his glory, return, and we don't fight. We just watch. Jesus Christ himself, by just speaking, will melt the armies of the Antichrist. And it says the blood will fill that valley. I think it's 185 miles And Jesus will land on the Mount of Olives with such an impact, it'll split it, and it'll create a new valley through the Valley of Jezreel. And the Antichrist armies that are left that are embattling Jerusalem, the Jewish people will able to get out of there. And Jesus, by just speaking, will defeat the Antichrist and false prophet, who he throws right into hell, the lake of fire. He sends the anti, uh, excuse me, Satan to uh, the pit or the bottomless pit. And I believe all the demons, too, are, are sentenced away. And Jesus Christ is victorious. There's not a gun or a bomb on our side that needs to be lifted. He wins it 100% all by himself. Amen. I love it. And you, you, you said something that I think a lot of people who follow Bible prophecy miss, and that is that uh, Satan is behind the whole battle of Armageddon, getting the kings of the east to come there, and also getting uh, 
Antichrist and his army, his armies there to gather together. Even though the kings of the East are coming against Antichrist, doesn't matter. A civil war, as you said, his goal is to get them all there. And I believe this, Nathan, the devil knows that in order to beat Jesus, he has to get everybody in the world on his side. This is one of the reasons why he's already eliminating people that aren't part of the plan, just going along with us, going along with the system, aren't paying attention to Bible prophecy. And uh, when it comes to the mark of the beast, they've got to take the mark of the beast. If they don't, they know that, they, that he knows they are not his. Therefore, he has to eliminate those people because he needs everybody on his team when he attempts to take out Jesus. It's not going to work, um, but that's what he's ultimately doing because it is, he is attempting to stop his retirement plan. It's not going to work, which takes us to the retirement plan of the Lake of Fire, the final battle, battle number nine. Yes. Well, okay. So now Jesus Christ has set up his kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice. And for a thousand years, he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. Those who have survived the tribulation in faith, they're called the sheep. They go through the sheep go judgment. They get to live on into the tribulation, excuse me, the millennial kingdom. Those who survived the tribulation and took the mark of the beast and a loyalty mark to Satan, they are sent to Hades or torments waiting final judgment. So here we got a thousand years. There's no demon influence there's no evil uh the world will be bountiful and beautiful lives will be long children will be born to these tribulation saints and then god does something very interesting in revelation 20 he releases satan not the demons just satan and satan comes upon this earth and again he picks up right where he left off he starts deceiving the children of of the tribulation saints and they still like any era get to pick jesus or not and it says sadly Nations from every tribe, tongue, and nations as far like sands of the sea will revolt against Jesus, follow Satan, and try again, get the numbers, to overthrow Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And this is uh, what's called the, the battle, the second battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, it goes by a few other names. But this time Jesus has no flood, no tribulation. He just sends fire. He burns them up, and we move into the great white throne judgment and into the eternal state. And after that, there's no more wars ever again. No more wars, no more sorrow, no more pain for the former things are forever gone. Nathan, that was great. Are you ready for the hot seat? Let's bring it. Okay, so listen, everybody. Send in your questions. Uh, put your word QUESTION in all caps so I can see them. And while you're getting ready to send those in, real quick reminder, you can order my new book, Marking the Masses. It's still on pre-order, but it's coming out like any day now, so you can check that out. Uh, you can go to the Hope for Our Times right here on the website where you guys are watching or on the app. You can see it, and it's all there. I'll be in Wisconsin with Don Perkins next week, uh, June 16 and 17. And he'll actually be there on Sunday the 18th also, but I'll be there Friday, Saturday with him. And then uh, also on June 18th, I've got a special video for you guys that has been in a long time in production, and we're going to publish it or post it on June 18th at 4 p.m., and uh, it is, it's an interview that I was able to do uh, with a couple um, whose parents survived the Holocaust, and uh, we are able to do this interview in Jerusalem, and uh, it's going to be a real blessing, one that you're going to want to share uh, with your friends and uh, mark your calendars, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Nathan, before I get to this next question, how can people track with you? 
You can visit our website at ChristInProphecy.org. You can watch our television program, Christ in Prophecy, on his channel and Daystar. Uh, you can also download the Lamb Lion app. Uh, if you're interested in knowing about the mighty angels of Revelation, you can go to our website at ChristInProphecy.org or Amazon. And Dr. David Reagan's book, Nine Wars of the End Times, can also be found on Amazon, uh, Apple Books, all the different platforms. So, Again, we're just trying to get the book out there and, and help people understand the times we're living in. Uh, speaking of times, uh, I see, Tom, that you'll be in our neck of the woods in August. So I hope you'll join us on Christ and Prophecy that I, we can schedule some time with you. I will. I'm actually going to try and get out there before August. So I was going okay. to talk to Tim about it. As <laughs> so you can tell Tim, well, I promise I'll get a hold of me, drop me a nice note, and I uh, will. And um, so I'm hoping to get there before August. But if not, I will see you in August. And uh, we'll, we'll connect, you and I will connect a few times before then too, but it's a definite yes, possibly twice. All right. Good, so, good. All right. So um, uh, uh, first question is, uh, Pookie, Revelation 14, verse 19. The angel thrust in a sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Can you elaborate who, what, and why is going on here? Okay, well, we're getting to the the time where it's a it's it's looking forward to the end of the tribulation. As you go through the the book of Revelation, you know it gets really dark, and so there's times where there's fast forwards where the Lord wants to assure you that His victory is assured. So when you get to these three angels that bring about the the wrath and includes Jesus Christ coming to to sickle to bring wrath upon the world, it's looking towards the future where Jesus Christ returns and defeats the Antichrist at Armageddon. So it's a harvest of the world, so to speak. And you can almost think of every generation since Adam and Eve is a harvest. The Lord wants to fill heaven with people who want to be with him. So every generation has those who are harvested for the Lord, and then those who rejected him and and you know lived in rebellion are then cast into the fire. Uh, it's just augmented, uh, you know, up to the exponential level during the tribulation time period. Yeah, as the grapes of wrath have been full of the sin of the people, and you know, we look right now and you see the things that are taking place. What is happening to children? Uh, uh, kids, I mean, the perverseness of society and the people shaking their fist at God saying, I'd rather be in hell. And, and the picture that God gives us there in that passage in Revelation chapter 14 is that the world is just going to, is going to become pregnant. The grapes of wrath will become pregnant with sins. Instead of the uh, wineness of the goodness of God, it'll be full of this sickness of sin. And it's just getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And uh, so that's great what that picture is of. Uh, NC says, uh, do you think America is the little horn of Daniel chapter 7? Since the deep state rules America, possibly whoever will win the elections of 2024. Well, bear in mind that any reference to the little horn is to an actual individual in person. It's not an entity. It's not a political party. It's not a movement. It's a man. It's a man that's supposed to rise from Europe, according to Daniel 9.27. So it can't be an American. It, I don't think Barack Obama or Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden are, are the Antichrist. He is some guy in Europe 
possibly in Southern Europe, closer to Italy, Romania, that area, who will rise to power one day. So no, I, I don't believe the United States is the little horn. Matter of fact, we have a few videos and articles on our website at christandprophecy.org that go through all the arguments that people make where America fits in Bible prophecy. And I think we show you that America does not fit in Bible prophecy. And why? But more than likely, the rapture of the church greatly affects us. I think we're looking towards an economic collapse as we raise the debt ceiling another $4 trillion and keeps going. And we know that all nations will come against Israel in the end times, according to Zechariah. Therefore, the United States will be integrated into the Antichrist empire. And really, isn't that where the deep state's going? It's going to try to make a global government where all the Western nations, were pretty much got one foot in it already, are all part of the Antichrist kingdom. Yep. I would say America as we have known it is gone already. Yes. And we can see it, it's so, uh, it's rot, or it's rotting from the inside. So between the rapture, economic catastrophe, threats of wars, and just the actual rot that's taking place. Uh, the policies that are made, the politicians, the laws, the schools, everything is just being destroyed from the inside. And I believe before, this even gets uh, to the point of the middle point of the tribulation. America's already eliminated as the superpower of the world. Probably by the beginning of the tribulation period, it's actually eliminated from being the superpower of the world. All right. Um, Dove says, uh, do you know why Israel is announcing they're prepping for war? They're losing the element of surprise. <laughs> well, if it's an element of surprise about attacking Iran, wasn't it during Barack Obama's administration where Netanyahu went with his little chart and he had this yeah. showed how they're reaching the red line? Well, we've been reaching the red line uh -huh. for the last 15 years. So um, we, we actually had Avi Mizraki from Israel today on Christ and Prophecy. Uh, during lunch, uh, Dr. Reagan, Tim, and myself got to spend time with him. Uh, bird's eye view, first person lives in Israel. We asked him that very question. You know, is Israel preparing for war against Iran? He says Israel is always preparing for war because war is always a threat to the Israeli people. But I don't think it's, it's anything about announcing, hey, we're going to attack Iran at any moment. They've been ready to attack Iran now for many years. Yeah, they have. In fact, I remember doing a prophecy update in 2006 yeah. and stating yeah. that, you know. Yeah. So it's always been that way. And when I was just down there at the Gaza and Stero area, uh, listen, on the way down there, David, my friend, he said, hey, uh, they're prepared for everything that uh, the Islamic Jihad is going to be bringing. So we got the Iron Dome in the video. We got all kinds of things in video. Wow. You know, literally, I know a few minutes later it was all going to be used, but they were well prepared for it. Roads were already closed off. They, yeah, this isn't new. Um, what Israel doesn't do is give them the exact details of what they're going to do. They, and uh, yeah. they, they, like Islamic Jihad, they took out three of their generals all at the exact same second in three entire different locations, you know. Um, so they sent yeah. a very clear message by doing those things. But they're, all, they're prepared. They said we're ready to go to war. But no, I don't think they're losing... Their element of surprise in that way. It'll be a surprise because Israel's been saying it for so long. Yeah, and we still got Isaiah 17 and Jeremiah 49 about the destruction of Damascus by Israel in one evening. So we know that at some point Israel is going to destroy Damascus with a weapon that can do it almost instantaneously, which only the thing today is a nuclear weapon. You know, is that part of the Psalm 83 war? Is it part of the Gog and Magog right. war? We don't know. So prophetically, we know that's a move that Israel's going to make. 
I think even the Muslim clerics must know, have heard about that prophecy and it's going to move. But maybe that's what coalesces coalesces the Gog Magog armies to come down and try to destroy Israel. But Israelis call it the Samson Initiative, correct? It's when they feel existentially threatened, they will then release their nuclear weapons. Yep, yep. Uh, definitely. Uh, thank you, Nathan, for joining me. I want to thank all of thank you, you just for your, your uh, financial support. It is huge uh, as we bring hope to the rest of the world. And really thank you for your prayers. We're really I've got a lot of things on the table that we are pressing forward in uh, regarding reaching uh, Mexico and even uh, further. So we'll keep you, I'll keep you updated on those things. But Nathan, again, I want to thank you for joining me today and joining all of us today. I'm going to be taking your questions live tomorrow. As far as I know, tomorrow I'll be all by myself taking your questions live. I never know. Sometimes I have a surprise guest on. Uh, but uh we're looking forward to that tomorrow. Nathan, I can't wait to see you. Please tell Tim, I promise I'll respond to him. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking really forward to coming out there in Texas, to Texas and seeing you. Well, we hope you do, Tom. We'll be looking forward to it. All right. Oh, wait. Am I still on? I yes. forgot something. The San Diego San Marcos Conference is probably going to be opened up for registration. Uh, by the end of this week, right? No guarantee, but I think it's going to. So if you want to go, pay attention to your app so you can, so you can know. That's all I have to say. Okay, I'm done talking. Bye, everybody.